The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. So if you'd like to please turn with me in your Bibles to that passage. So if you uh, go again to the middle of your Bibles, you'll come to Psalms. The next book is Proverbs, and then you're into Ecclesiastes there as well. So uh, not too far from the middle of your Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're just going to be focusing on uh, just a few verses this morning. I want to read to us again, uh, just uh, as a reminder of verses 9 through to 12. Ecclesiastes 4, commencing at verse 9, it says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is God's word to us this morning. And as we come to, sorry about that, we come to the fourth message in our series in Faith Foundations today. And we're going to be talking particularly about this whole aspect of Christian community, of of fellowship with the people of God. And the main emphasis of the message today is the fact that God has designed us, God has designed his people to live together and to grow together with one another, with one another. And here is, if you're looking for that big idea this morning, you want to write it down, it's this, it says, Christians need one another because we are better together. That is God's design. Christians need one another. Okay? We need one another because in God's wonderful design, we are better together. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ who make known the reality and the glory of Christ through our shared life together. That is the reality of the God has for us as his people. You know, we cannot truly be the people of God by choosing to live in isolation. We cannot truly be the people that God has called us to be, to be his people by living in isolation, by living apart from one another. We cannot hope to grow to spiritual maturity or fulfill the purposes of God in our lives and in his world by choosing to go it alone in our faith. The New Testament makes it abundantly clear that as Christ's church, we are all part of of a body, a spiritual body joined together with Christ Jesus as our head. You've only got to turn to passages like 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 to discover that. It's plain and simple. As Christ's body, we are not only dependent upon him as our head, but we are also mutually dependent upon one another. Just as our body is dependent on all its individual parts, 
you know, if, a, if, if one part of our body is missing, like, for instance, if we're missing a, a limb or, a, or an eye, if we're missing, you know, an internal organ or something like that, hopefully nothing too serious, but it doesn't matter, whatever, you know, if, 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 if our bodies are missing parts or if our parts of our bodies do not function properly, it affects every single part of our body, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Of course it does. It affects every single part of our body. And this is the whole body imagery that the, 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 the writers of the New Testament were trying to, uh, to, trying to get across is that, you know, just as our, our physical human bodies are impacted when one part doesn't, you know, isn't there or doesn't play its part, so the body of Christ doesn't function properly if we aren't all collectively working and, and helping one another, mutually working together with the, in the purposes of God for us. We are simply better together. In these, in these verses I just read to us from Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12, the writer illustrates this importance of Christian community using four examples. And each of the examples make clear that two are better than one. Or in other words, we are better together. And the first example is found in verse 9 in our passage this morning where it says... Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Now, it points out here that when it comes to being productive, two are better than one because we have better rewards for our collective work together. The imagery that's behind this is, is the imagery of a farmer, a farmer on a farm working hard to make a living from the land. And anyone who's worked on a farm will tell you that working on a farm is really hard physical work and long hours. Anyone here ever worked on a farm before? There's a few of you, haven't you? You're familiar with that? You're familiar with what farming life is all about? You know that it is, that, you know, that it's, sometimes it is hard, back-breaking work. And it just is, 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 is a long day. You're, you're working on the farm from sunup to sunset, day after day. And there's no weekends, generally. It is a seven-day-a-week thing, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If the farmer doesn't work, then there will be no harvest. There will be no reward. No income to feed his family, no income to pay the bills, no income to keep the farm going, all that sort of thing. But if any of you have ever sort of taken on a, a job that is that is hard and it's 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 labor intensive and it's you know it's, it's, it's long hours and that sort of thing, how better than to actually work at that with someone by your side? How much better is that? And how much more do you accomplish with someone working with you in that? You know, I think back to, uh, you know, the, 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 the many uh, working bees, the, 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 the family, the church cleanup days we have here at the church, you know, each year. And the number of people who come along and, you know, I generally end up getting, getting you know, put on cleaning windows and things like that because I haven't got any skills in other things. And, you know, it's, it's not just cleaning the windows, but it's cleaning all the seals and that sort of stuff. And, you know, cleaning windows is not a fun job, is it? It's not a fun job. 
But you know what makes it a lot, you know, a lot easier and a lot better to, to, to do that is when you've got someone who's actually working with you. And there have had, you know, had people sort of work through, whether it's been, you know, my children working with me or whether it's been someone else there working with you as you're cleaning the windows and that sort of stuff and you're talking together and you seem to get a lot more done and you seem to get it done a lot quicker, even though the, the time's still the same, by working together in that. This is what the, the author, the, you know, the writer is saying here. When we, when we work together, there is a much better, there's a much greater reward for our toil. You know, there are many things we have to work hard at in our lives than just trying to make a living. You know, going to school or uni and making the most of our educational opportunities can be hard work, can't it? You people who are doing exams and things now, you know all about that. You know, building a strong and godly marriage can be hard work, can't it? You people who are married, it can be hard work. Growing as disciples of Jesus can in fact be hard work at times. Being involved in church ministry and serving the Lord can sometimes be hard work. Maturing in the faith can be hard work. But this verse reminds us that we have much more reward for our efforts when we have other people to work with us, when we work together in these things, in these areas, in our lives, when we get others around about us, when we, when we seek to, to benefit from others and as we seek to work together in the midst of these things, we are better together. You know, American author Alex Haley's got a picture hanging in his office. And it's a picture of a turtle sitting on top of a fence. And the message of the, pic- of the picture is simple. Because if you ever see a turtle sitting on top of a fence, you know it had help getting there. Hey, you know it had help getting there. And folks, if we're going to actually really, you know, accomplish anything significant in our lives, particularly when it comes to the kingdom of God, that sort of thing, folks, we're going to need to do it together. It doesn't matter whatever you accomplish in your life. Oftentimes, in fact, I would say for pretty much the, the vast majority of times, you haven't got there on your own. There has been people who have, been, who have helped you to get to where you've gone. We are better together. Two are better than one. The second example the writer mentions here in this passage is that of a person who falls down in verse 10. It says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, the point here is that the person who falls is in a much better situation if they have someone there to help them back up again. And the writer move is moving now from the image of a, of a farmer to, to that of a, of a traveller on a road. And we'll, this is the imagery that will carry us through these, the remainder of these verses, 10 to 12. Of course, the roads in ancient times, they weren't really that great. And they're not, kind of like, not like the, the, the many you know, good roads and footpaths and that sort of thing that we find around us today in, in, in living in our communities. But the roads back in those days were incredibly rough and uneven and rocky and there was you know, washouts in the roads and, and there were crevices and there were, you know, sometimes the roads went past precarious sort of things, you know, on the edges of cliffs and things like that. And as people walked along, there was always that significant level of danger in travelling. That you might get your foot stuck in a crevice or you might fall down into a ravine or something like that and get stuck 
and have no one there to help you. There's a story of a uh, fellow, his name was Aaron Ralston, uh, who, uh, who was in the, uh, who was canyoning in the, uh, in the States, in, uh, I think in Utah, a few years back. And he was doing it on his own. And uh, as he was, uh, you know, working, going down this particular canyon, he slipped and he fell and got pinned by a boulder that actually came down on his arm. Here he is out in the middle of nowhere with no way to call help, no one there with him. And uh, if, you know, he uh, did something pretty horrific to sort of try and get him out of that, I won't go into it uh, on, online because I don't want to upset anyone this morning. You can look it up for yourself later. But you see, he was, he, you know, when, we've got, when we're traveling together, when we've got people beside us, when we fall down and we've got someone there to help us up, it's so much better for us. That's what the writer says. It's, these are plain, simple facts, folks, aren't they? There's nothing, there's no rocket science about this sort of stuff that we're reading through this morning. You know, if we get, if, if, if we find ourselves living lives isolated from others, if we find ourselves trying to go it alone all the time, and we, we come to that place where, where we fall, and we can fall in lots of different ways, we'll get to that in a minute. If we've got no one there around us, and we, you know, the, the writer says, woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That word woe is used so many times in the Bible, but it means this condition of deep suffering and affliction with the expression of a, of a great sense of sadness over that person's plight. If we find ourselves falling and have no one to lift us up, then woe are we. How sad and unfortunate are we in that situation. You know, life we know is a journey that we're all on. And at one time or another, we are all going to fall. Every single one of us. As I said, there are many kinds of falls that we can encounter in our lives. Life has a way, doesn't it, of throwing up unexpected obstacles, of revealing hidden hazards that can knock us off our feet and leave us feeling battered and bruised in all kinds of ways. And none of us are exempt from falling. But this disturbing reality is that we can sometimes fall so hard and so far that it is impossible for us to get back up on our own. There's an account of a man in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 verses 1 through to 12 of a man who was not able to stand on his own. He was a man who was born crippled. And every day he depended upon the grace and kindness of others in order to survive. Thankfully, this man had some wonderful friends. We should notice two things about this particular friendship. The first is this. That friendship and community does not happen by chance. It does not just happen by chance. Community needs to be cultivated and it takes time and effort and sacrifice. The four friends in this particular parable made a conscious choice to be friends to this man who was crippled. Who each day was placed there, you know, on the on the the the, uh, the avenue leading to the temple, where all these people would, would pass by, and he was he was taken there in order to be able to beg for alms, for for charity, in order to survive. 
community doesn't just happen. It needs to be cultivated and takes time, effort and practice. And folks, we need, first of all, you know, these friends, you know, this, this man, you know, these people only became his friends because they saw this man had a need. They saw that he had a need. And we first need to be, we need to be able to see the needs around about us. And so often in life, we go through life with blinkers on. We are so single-mindedly focused on our own kind of worlds, our building our own kind of kingdoms, doing our own thing, that we, we become oblivious to, the, to all of these needs around about us. We need, as Christians, we need to have eyes that are open to see the needs, first of all, of those around us. Because we can't actually do something about the needs until we see the needs, can we? No, we can't. We need to see the need, and then we need to be willing to respond to that need, regardless of the cost. We've only got to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan and see that he was this man beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, Three people saw that man's need, didn't they? Three people, but only one took the time to help. And it was costly. And it was sacrificial. Each of us, as the people of God, we need to not only see the needs around about us, but we need to be willing to then respond to the needs, even though it may cost us personally. second thing we need to notice about this kind of friendship was that the crippled man had to be willing to be helped, to admit his need and allow others to carry his mat. People can often be the ones to lend a hand, but boy, do we regularly struggle to allow others to help us, don't we? We find it so much easier others in need. But when it comes to us being in need, we tend not to sort of kind of, you know, like that too much because, you know, let's be honest, our pride gets in the way, doesn't it? Our pride gets in the way. And we're worried about what others might think about us. We're worried that our weaknesses might show to those around about us. And oh, how terrible for someone to actually see that we have weaknesses. Here's a newsflash for us, folks. We all have weaknesses. We're all broken people. Every single one of us, we are all broken people. We all have our failings. Isn't it oftentimes those weaknesses and those brokennesses, those brokenness, those things are broken that are broken in our lives? I'll get it out in a minute. Honestly. Those weaknesses, those areas of brokenness in our lives, it's those things that we try so hard to keep covered up, to keep hidden from those around about us. But you know crippled man whose friends ended up 
picking him up and taking him to see Jesus. He only experienced that blessing by having his, you know, by by admitting his weakness and by admitting his need and by allowing others to help him. That man's life was completely changed and transformed when those friends supported him and took him to Jesus. And I guarantee that all five of those men that day walked away blessed. Every single one of them. And I think that there is, we miss out so, so often on, on, on these times of, of blessing that the Lord gives us opportunities to experience because we are either too reticent to allow people to help us or we're not willing to actually step in and, and, and lend a hand. experience authentic Christian community. In fact, we will never be an authentic Christian community unless we are prepared to carry each other's mats and allow others to carry our mat. And the one area we are all weak in is that we are all sinners. Every single one of us fought spiritually, don't we? Galatians 6.1 reminds us, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, no matter how mature we are in our faith, we all succumb to temptation and sin in our lives. And as Christians, we are called here to, res- to help restore our brothers and sisters when we fall to get alongside and to pick one another up the goal is restoration as one commentator said the goal is is restoration not amputation which is so often how we as a church deal with these sorts of things we tend to something you know in that situation we can so easily be critical and judgmental and cut that person off set them adrift rather than getting alongside and restoring. As, as the church in general, we have this terrible habit of shooting our wounded. We don't restore very well. And folks, we need to be better at that. I'm not just talking about us as a church here. I'm talking about the churches in general as well. As Christians, we need to be better at this. And we need the Lord's help to help us to be better at this. We need to pray and ask God to help us to be that restorative community that is characterized by grace and love and kindness and forgiveness. Yes, we proclaim the truth, and yes, we point out sin where there is sin, but at the same time, we are to be like Jesus, like he was with the woman who came to him caught in adultery, and Jesus says to her, you know, there's all these people ready to stone her to death because she's been caught in adultery. Where the, where the guy is, we have no idea. 
But this woman who is there, you know, basically probably just wrapped, a, got, a, got a sheet or something just wrapped around her there, exposed for all the world to see with this angry mob ready to throw these stones at her to put her to death, to carry out their judgment on her sin. And Jesus says, you know, if anyone who is without sin, let him be the one to cast the first stone. course, Christ could forgive her because he knows that he's on his way to the cross to pay for her sins. And, and Jesus has paid for all of the sins of the people who put their hope and their trust in him as saviour. And so if you've got a brother and sister in the Lord who has sinned and you know it and you're ready to, to cast a stone at them in judgment and criticism, remember that Jesus Christ, the same person who paid for your sin, has died for their sin as well. So let us get alongside rather than judge. help restore rather than push away. You know, we all need people to come alongside us. We are better together. We are better together. The third example is of a traveller who finds themselves out in the open country at night exposed to the elements especially the chilly night air. We see that in verse 11, where, it's, it's where he goes on to say, uh, again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? You know, so many times this particular passage has been used at weddings to speak about, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the husband and wife community, if you like, that, that coming together. But there's no mention specifically of marriage here in this particular, uh, in this particular passage. And although it fits well, we can't just isolate it just to marriage and marriage alone. But what it's talking about, again, is, is these travellers, these, this, this traveller who's exposed out there at night time in the open country, exposed to the elements, and out there in the cold night air, a person can quickly succumb to things like hypothermia. And without some source of keeping warm, that person is at severe risk. And it might not have necessarily at times access to a fire. But we know that human body warmth is a great way of warming one another up. So this is, you know, two people who are just, you know, 
huddled together in the midst of the chilly night air trying to keep one another warm. course, life can not only cause us to stumble and fall, but it can leave us at times in the cold, can't it? I think one of the ways that people experience this the most is through rejection and loneliness. You know, there's that saying, to be left out in the cold is to be left alone, isn't it? And you know, in a world where it's so easily to be connected to so many people, the sad reality is, is that people are more disconnected than ever. In our society where we have all kinds of different ways of being connected to people, not just, you know, locally, but globally, we, we're seeing that people are more disconnected than ever. In fact, loneliness and isolation are at pandemic levels in our world today. And we can have hundreds of Facebook friends and yet have no one to actually sit down with and pour our hearts out to. We can be in a room full of people and still feel as though we are alone. Have you ever experienced that? We can be, as I said, smartphones, as helpful as they are, have become the greatest threat to human connection this world has ever known. How many times do you go out nowadays, you sit at a cafe or something like that, where people sit across the table from one another, and where are they looking? They're looking at their phone. And they're taking pictures of their meals, and they're you know, sending messages to all these people saying, hey, look how wonderful my life is. Yet the person that's sitting across the table from them, you know, they can even be texting one another across the table without even talking to one another. How stupid is that? We are craving community. People are dying for connection. You've only got to see, you know, through this COVID pandemic, how much people have been have been withering away because of that lack of connection with people around about them. And as soon as those restrictions are lifted, people want to get together. have, I think each of us long for genuine human connection, to be able to have people in our lives, lives who love us for who we are, warts and all, whom we can call on no matter what time of day or night and know that they'll be there for us, for people to share our joys with and our heartaches with, for people just to sit and talk with, who will listen and who will understand and who will respond with kindness and compassion. That's the kind of community we people are just desperate for today. 
And as the church, we should be modeling that kind of community. People should be seeing churches. You know what? If you want to experience real community, hey, the church is fantastic at that. Instead, as I said before, we need to consider those around about us. We need to think. Hebrews reminds us, consider, you know, make careful thought of how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do we take the time to do that? many people in this church who are on their own. We have elderly folk. We have people who are shut in. We have widows and widowers. We have single people. In fact, we even have, you know, married people who are desperate for connection. Even our young people. I think today our young people more than ever are just dying for that kind of real connection with people. There are many people around us who face significant challenges each and every day who sometimes wonder if anyone really does care. Be that friend. Please be that friend. You can't expect the pastoral team of this church to be able to meet all of the needs of this congregation, of this church family. It is not possible for us to do that. I stand before you this morning and I say that at the end, that each and every day, each and every day, I go home and I lay down in my bed and, and think of all the people I've, I wasn't able to get t- in touch with that day. I wasn't able to physically be there for that day. But then the, Jesus has got to remind me, you know what, Duncan, you're not the saviour. My job is to point people to Jesus and also to, to, to equip the saints for ministry. That is what Ephesians 4 says the role of a pastor is, to equip the saints for ministry. That means it's not the pastor's responsibility to do all the visiting and to do all the caring, but it's in fact the church's responsibility to do that. And sadly, in our church today, we don't have enough people to do that. But I thank God for all those who are. Praise God for them. And I say, Lord, will you please multiply these people in our church? But that's enough of the Beatles. One more thing I just want to mention before we quickly move on is this. You know, for 
for the Christian, there is no more dangerous place to be than to be isolated from other believers. I was once given this wonderful illustration. It's of a fire and of a coal in the fire. And you know, the coal, when it's there in the fire, it's kept warm and it glows and it remains, you know, hot and it contributes to the, to the heat and the, and the fire continues to, to burn well. But if you take that one coal out of the fire and you place it to the side, very quickly that coal loses its heat, it loses its warmth, and it goes out. Don't be thinking that as a Christian, you can walk this journey of faith like that one coal separated from the fire of God and His church. Because very quickly you will find that the fire goes out. Christian community is vital to our faith. And that's why we've done so much, as much as is humanly possible, to make gathering together as God's people as accessible as we can to folk here. We've done it through our connect groups. We've done it through our church gatherings here on a Sunday. And we've, we've, we've done it through you know, asking people to regularly be in touch with, with others because we realize that we are better together. As I said, you know, as I said, we, we've done our utmost to make it possible for as many people to meet on site as we can here on a Sunday. And it's great that our numbers are growing each and every week. But it means that what we also need to do is we need to utilize the back hall for people to also be, to be willing to meet together. We can only have 105 people here in this auditorium. And we don't want to say to people, you know what, you can't come. We need, we, we want people to be here on a Sunday. We want people to be gathering together as the people of God to encourage one another in our faith. But we need, we need the whole facility in order to be able to do that. And we need people willing to say, you know what? I'm happy to go down the back hall and meet with the people of God here. And some of you will be happy to say, you know, I can do that each and every week. That's fine. I'm good with that. I'm happy to do that. Some of you might say, well, I'm happy to take my turn to do that from time to time. Well, guess what? We're going to put you on the spot this morning. We've got some folders at the back of the church and down there in the back hall this morning. We need you to sign up and tell us that you're happy to do that. Because Catherine sits in that office on a Thursday and Friday and she literally tears her hair out not knowing where she's going to put people because she doesn't have enough people who are willing to go down there. And she's losing sleep over it. And it's churning her up inside because she's doing her utmost as our office manager. And we can sometimes make her job a heck of a lot more complicated than it really needs to be. But how about us remember that what is most important is that we come together and meet together on a Sunday, whether it be in this room or whether it be down there, whether you watch me face-to-face or whether you watch me on a camera and a screen. It's another way of uniting together and displaying Christ's love towards one another. It 
also of demonstrating the community that that community is important to us. Last point, very, very quickly. The final example the writer mentions here is is of someone under attack in verse 12. uh, It goes on to say, And then though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. Two will withstand him. You know, again, at some point in our lives, we will find ourselves under some kind of attack. And personal attacks can be incredibly crippling, can't they? And sadly, the fact is that it's not always people out there who attack us. Sometimes it can be those who are closest to us who hurt us. We become the targets of people's anger and malice. We become the targets of people's gossip and slander, of their hatred, of their envy, of their jealousy. But as challenging as all these things are, as Christians, we have one, an even greater enemy, who, who attacks us spiritually, don't we? Satan, who uses everything within his means to destroy us, to destroy us in our faith. And it's at these times that we need someone who will be there to stand with us, to help us, to fight against these things. We need praying friends. We need supportive friends. We need strong, faithful Christian friends. Because the temptation is to try and fight it on our own. But as one commentator points out, there are some enemies you cannot defeat on your own. There are some problems you cannot solve on your own. And there are some habits that you cannot break on your own. We need the help of others. Of course, our ultimate friend is Jesus Jesus Christ. Is the ultimate friend, the one whom we can always come to. He is the one who the scripture reminds us is closer than a brother, who understands us, who understands our struggles, who understands our hurts, our pains, our joys, our fears completely. He's the one who has promised never to leave us or forsake us. He's the one who has placed his spirit within us to strengthen us and comfort us and assure us of his love. He's also given us one another, a community that that he has brought into being through his death, resurrection and ascension. Jesus didn't just die to save you. He died to bring you into his family, into his kingdom. Because Jesus knows that two are better than one. This passage closes with the thought that if two are better than one, then three is even better. It says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yes, it is a powerful thing for two people to work together, but how much more powerful is it when, when more than two come together? But when those two have God at the center of their lives and who seek their strength and their guidance from him. How much better when those two people have God there binding them together as that threefold cord. But here's the challenge that I want to leave you with this week before we spend a time in communion together. How will your life demonstrate this week that as a disciple of Jesus, we are better together as the people of God. How will 
demonstrate that in your life this week, that we are better together as the people of God. Perhaps it might be through making an encouraging phone call or sending that text message or email or letter or, or even taking the time to visit someone this week. Perhaps it might be meeting up with someone for prayer. Perhaps it might be meeting a practical need. Perhaps it might be through allowing someone to serve you, that is to carry your mat for a bit. Whatever it is, remember this, that Christ is with us in the midst of it. And he has promised to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your great love and mercy and kindness towards us as your people in saving us from our sin. But Lord, we want to thank you again, especially today, for the community that you've made us a part of, for the fact that we are collectively together the people of God and that your purposes for us involve us being better together with you at the centre. Help us to be that community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.